love one another, forgive, judge not, fear not. It's all such great advice with beautiful outcomes, but none of those principles is a one-step process. So let's talk specifics, the messy step-by-step. Welcome to, but how though, in a bunch of other spiritual conundrums. Welcome back to But How Though and a bunch of other spiritual conundrums. I hope you all had a fantastic last week. It's still September, so we are still talking suicide awareness. Last week was a pretty intense one. The reach out, what it means to reach out, what it looks like to reach out, and the power in the reach out. This week, we're talking about taking care of trauma. When I first heard the word trauma, it was always associated with some huge, frightening, usually, event. Earthquake or some other natural disaster, a life or death scenario, or some sort of abuse or violence. I did not have a deeper understanding of what trauma actually is and what it can cause. Not until I got symptoms. When we talk about life, though, the point of it, what we want from it, what we're even doing here. As far as spiritual things go, all over in the scriptures, we've got words being tossed at us like peace, joy, love, and the pursuit of those things seem to be the point of life. But the more I'm learning in life, the more I'm seeing the point of life is actually the growth process. Because the peace and the joy, even though it sounds like they're rewards granted to you at the end of a life well lived, Congratulations, you made it. Now I'm going to give you peace and joy. That is not what I'm reading about in the scriptures with these stories or experiencing in real life as I'm watching people live their lives. Really good people making really good choices or really bad people making really bad choices. Either way, the whole point of life is the same for everybody that comes here, right? If you look at John 15, it talks a lot about the love and the peace and the joy of life, especially in verses 9 through 12. It says, as the father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. All right, so if we take a look at these verses, There's some very specific words he's using. Continue ye in my love. Abide in my love, which is almost the same thing. Abide is like stay, but like a more permanent way to stay. Not just stay over for the weekend or stay the night. Abide is like stay, like live. So ye shall live in my love, essentially, if we're going to switch those words out. Even as I live in the Father's love. And it continue ye in my love. That's another way of saying it. Abide. And if the commandment is that ye love one another as I have loved you. And earlier in the Gospels when someone asked Jesus what the most important commandment was. And he said, love God with all your heart, might, mind, and strength. And the second commandment is likened to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, it's not like they need us to love them just for their ego's sake. It's not like they need us to love them so they can feel good about themselves. We talk about that a lot here on But How Though. That commandment is actually for our good. 
It's for our joy, for our peace. When we love God, we know how to seek him and we understand. And he said here, as the father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. That is where the peace and the joy can come from. However, we got to understand what joy is and what joy isn't so that we don't think that what we're looking for is a reward for good behavior. Like joy comes from making good choices. That can sometimes be true, but that is not what the actual abiding joy, abiding love is. Joy is basically being able to rid yourself of things that oppose peace and joy. And in in his description of the most important commandments, loving God and then loving your neighbor as yourself, it is implied that you love yourself. So part of loving yourself is taking care of yourself. But how though? How do you recognize and process the really crappy stuff that happens in every life, the really hard emotions that crop up in every body to be left with the good stuff? Because joy isn't just a reward that you get at the end. Joy is a learned process. We have to learn and understand it so that we can rid ourselves of the things that oppose it, therefore becoming more peaceful and joyful no matter the circumstances, which is actually really, really difficult. And talking about things like trauma that are going to crop up in every single life, emotional and psychological trauma is the result of of stressful events that shatter our sense of security and make us feel helpless and can sometimes make us feel like we're in danger. Sometimes shock or denial are typical immediate reactions, but there are some longer term reactions, especially for things that have created some trauma in us that we don't necessarily recognize as traumatic. So there's some longer term reactions and that can include unpredictable emotions unpredictable emotional outbursts, flashbacks, strained relationships. And you could even get some physical symptoms like headaches or nausea because your body is keeping track of what your emotions are processing. And what happens physically is in response to trauma, a second stress hormone, which is adrenaline, gets released into the bloodstream and that basically engages your amygdala which is the part of the brain that is responsible for laying down emotional memory. And it also is important in detecting emotions like fear. As it turns out, emotional memory is very important in how you process events and situations that come up in your life. There are these things in in the psychological world called ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. And sometimes when someone is evaluating a person for trauma, they take a look at these ACEs or adverse childhood experiences and tally them up to see basically what we're dealing with here. ACEs include emotional, physical, or sexual abuse, emotional and physical neglect, homes with domestic violence, substance abuse, mental disorders, parental separation or divorce, or a family member who is incarcerated. Well, when I was going through therapy, Guess what? I don't have any one of those things. I don't have even one. I was so confused. Then I looked at the depression list. Let me read that to you. People with depression may experience in their mood, anxiety, apathy, general discontent, guilt, hopelessness, loss of interest or pleasure in activities, mood swings, or sadness. 
Behaviorally, they may experience agitation, excessive crying, irritability, restlessness, or social isolation. In their sleep, they may experience early awakening, excess sleepiness, insomnia, or restless sleep. In their whole body, they may experience excessive hunger, fatigue, or loss of appetite. Cognitively, they may experience lack of concentration, slowness in activity, or thoughts of suicide, weight gain or weight loss, poor appetite, or repeatedly going over thoughts. Well, looking at that list, I had every single one of those things going on, and it was a mess. After last week's long story about my descent into the hole and the hellish darkness of depression, I talked a lot about reaching out. I reached out to husband. And at that point, I had to find a team who was going to help me climb out of the pit. That does not mean that someone was going to rescue me from the pit. That climb turned out to be really difficult <laughs> and long and messy. And I made a lot of mistakes along the way and I learned a lot of things. The first therapist that I went to, and I want to say first therapist because I have seen several therapists since. I had this idea about therapy in my mind that was really unhealthy and unhelpful. I don't think I'm alone in my perception of what therapy was for. I felt like it was a last resort and that people that went to therapy did it because they tried everything else and nothing else was working. And so it was kind of like that last ditch effort to regain control of your emotions. I was terrified of it because I thought if it doesn't work, I'm still left with nothing. I didn't want to lose my life, to end my life or to give up my future. I just didn't have any hope. And so looking at therapy, I thought if this doesn't work, Nothing will because I'm just that broken. And that is a very common thread people with depression experience. But also it's a kind of a false narrative about what therapy is that can undermine its its whole entire purpose. I went in thinking I got to find the right therapist on the first try, like the first therapist. If that doesn't work, that means therapy doesn't work. I did not understand finding a therapist that specializes in what you need or you can connect with and really trust can sometimes be a longer process than just the first name you come across on your Google search or on the bio section of a crisis center's website. I did not understand that there can be a lot of searching and trying and moving on if you need to. That being said, I walked into the first therapist's office we did the intake interview, which is excruciating and exhausting as you, me, <laughs> cry and blubber your way through what you're doing there. And he said to me, okay, let's talk about your anxiety. And I was very confused. In my mind, anxiety equaled social anxiety. So I just looked at him and I was like, I don't have that. I don't have, I don't have anxiety. And he looked straight back at me and said, oh, really? Okay. So how many of your decisions in a day are based on a fear that you have? And I was like, <laughs> none of them. And then I thought for a second and I was like, oh, I mean, all of them. All of my decisions <laughs> in a day are based on a fear that I have, a fear of something I'm trying to prevent or a fear of not getting an outcome I am trying to achieve. Fear, fear, fear was driving every single decision. And I did not make that connection until that moment that an anxiety-driven life 
is going to cause symptoms. Not just I'm going to be uncomfortable and anxious during the day. It's actually going to cause other symptoms that are going to bleed into every area of my life. That was the best thing that that therapist did for me was help to awaken my senses to what anxiety was. Now, he did not turn out to be a very good fit for me. And I started Googling other forms of therapy just besides talk therapy. I came across EMDR therapy, which is eye movement desensitization reprocessing. It claimed to be a super efficient form of therapy where it could take someone years to process through trauma or anxiety or depression with talk therapy. Doing EMDR seemed to be much quicker. I loved the science of it. The data on it was astounding. And I thought, that's amazing. I wonder if anyone in my area does EMDR. And turns out there were a ton. So I, I started going to a counseling center where almost every single therapist there was certified in EMDR. What you do basically with EMDR is engage or activate both sides of your brain through eye movement or through tapping touch some way to use both sides of your body to engage both sides of the brain in order to take a memory that is disturbing to you, a high level of disturbing. And then you reprocess it, not necessarily to a positive emotional attachment to that memory, but at least a neutral one so that it is no longer disturbing. You take it from disturbing to neutral, right? And I was working on body image and eating disorders. So almost all of my disturbing memories interestingly enough, were surrounding things that people said or people did that then I internalized about my body. It was shocking to see the different memories as I went through it with this new therapist that were disturbing to me and what they all had in common. And almost every single one of them was words. That was when I started to judge myself. <laughs> what am I doing here? I don't have trauma. I don't have any of these aces these adverse childhood experiences. I came from a very loving, stable home. So then I started feeling bad about myself. I don't deserve to have trauma, anxiety, or depression. I haven't experienced anything that would cause those things. How am I going to sit there and compare that to somebody with PTSD who went through the war, who witnessed people dying or had to kill? And I'm like, well, like one time somebody said something really rude to me. So that's why I'm here. And it was so difficult, so difficult to wrap my mind around the fact that I was experiencing symptoms without having what I thought would be worthy triggers for those symptoms. But here's the problem. Your brain works in specific ways for you. I know this is not news. I did not get to choose whether my brain found something traumatic even a conversation, aces or no aces, I was not okay. I had not processed many events and conversations from my past in a healthy way, which became problematic when it caused symptoms like anxiety and depression. In childhood, your frontal cortex is not developed. So you can form false ideas, not based on rational thought, but based on emotional memory because of your amygdala. So if you're put under stress, even puberty can put you under this type of stress. Something false can be accepted as truth and then cause you pain or emotional damage because you have not been able to process it correctly. Well, then you think, for heaven's sakes, your frontal cortex doesn't develop until you're like 25 <laughs> and you are processing stressful emotional situations much earlier than that, much earlier than that. 
That seems like a broken system. That seems like Team Universe is setting us up for failure. But if the point is peace, joy, and happiness, then why do we get put through all of this crap that gives us trauma? All of this stuff that gives us anxiety. All of this stuff that gives us adverse emotional reactions. Why, 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 why? In the scriptures, it talks a lot about growth and learning. It talks a lot about adversity. It talks a lot about opposition, not necessarily directly, but in the stories that we see as the situations unfold, we watch them have to grapple with difficult situations. And what is being told to us is you have a team in place. You have options, advantages, and resources in place to help you get through it. Because the process of becoming means you have to take on a lot of things and then sort through them to rid yourself of what is not you. And we come from God. God is love. God is peace. God is happiness. We get the chance here to rid ourselves of the things that we experience that do not bring us closer to that, that do not let us abide, continue, and live in the peace, joy, and harmony that is destined to be ours. Not as a reward, but something that we grow into. I had to find a team. I had to lose the judgment. And I had to come to look at professional help, especially therapy, as more like a gym membership for my mind. Not a last resort, but something that is daily mental and emotional maintenance. And when I go to the therapist, it's like visiting a trainer. I don't do it for everything, but when I have specific projects that I need to work through or what specific symptoms that are cropping up and causing me issues, it's more of a flag for me. It's not a failure. It's just my body and mind saying, hey, you still have this. You're carrying it around. And to develop, to become closer to the peace, joy, and happiness you want, you're going to want to file this away and clean this mess up properly, but it's still here. So the emotional responses are no longer failures in my mind. They're flags. This is what therapist number three helped me understand. All of our emotions are for us. They are not working against us. None of our emotions, not even the negative ones, are working against us. They are all telling us something. My third therapist asked me to legitimately have a meeting with my emotions, like some board meeting inside out style with me as the CEO and all of my emotions around this corporate table. And then I run the meeting and I let them each have a chance to stand up and say what they've got to say to me, what it is that they feel like I need to know. So I give anger the floor. Tell me everything you're angry about and why. I give anxiety the floor. I give excitement the floor. I give joy the floor. I give whatever. You name all of the emotions that you're experiencing and let them have the time to speak because all they're doing is letting you know of something that is occurring. And then she told me that I was to thank them for what they said and respond to them. Thank you for bringing that to my attention, anger. I will be able to look into that and then give it like a date and a time so that you can settle your mind down and anger does not sit there and wave its flag constantly because it hasn't been acknowledged. That was one of my bigger problems is that I was trying to ignore the negative emotions when really they do need to be acknowledged because they're trying to tell you something. And the biggest message that I received through husband's words, but I came to understand it on a deeper level through some of this work was that my life was worth it. I was worth it. 
Husband said I was worth any amount of time and money spent in getting me well. And although it was very difficult to believe that at first because that was not an idea that I had nurtured or harbored, it was something that I was coming to understand as I gained more peace and as I gained more joy by processing some of those negative emotional memories, life is not about getting well just so that I can go to work or be a parent or get through my to-do list. It wasn't so that I could be a more functioning person that didn't break down and cry at any random trigger. It was so I could live more like me. If you are experiencing trauma, depression, anxiety, negative emotional burdens that are causing you pain, Getting through them is a process. It's hard. It's hard work, but it is so worth it because living more like you is a gift for you. You will experience more peace. And I didn't understand the freedom of peace until I started to feel it. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) can relationships really be like this? When I'm not at war with everyone and I'm not comparing myself and I'm not trying to compete and I'm not at war with myself all the time, can my heart really sit here and just enjoy somebody or just enjoy myself? That's amazing. (laughs) I do love that. But there's also something bigger. More you, a happier, peaceful, more joyful you is a gift to the rest of us. We can see you. We can experience the unique gifts that you have when you are A, not afraid to give them and B, at peace with who and what you are. Then we just get to enjoy you. The messiness sometimes feels so unfair that when it happens, we feel like it's wrong. Either we've done something wrong or someone has done something wrong to us and it shouldn't have happened. And while in a lot of cases, that is true especially when it comes to violence or abuse against other people. That should never happen. However, the point of this life was never to avoid uncomfortable situations. It was never to avoid bad things. And it's definitely not to avoid mistakes. We are supposed to screw up. We are. And we are supposed to learn from it and grow from it. It hurts. It's not easy the more you can recognize and process the crappy stuff to be able to rid yourself or at least file it away in its appropriate spot, the more you will come to grow into the joy and the peace. That's all I got for this week. I'm Rachel Larson. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have anything to add to this conversation, please hit us up on social media. We would love to hear your thoughts about trauma, about depression, anxiety, learning how to take care of yourself, and seeking good care. We want to hear about all of it. The more I live through these messy, messy things and wade through these messy, messy situations and messy, messy emotions, the more I'm coming to realize that one of Team Universe's favorite questions to answer really is, but how though?